your Locked On Blues, your daily podcast on the St. Louis Blues. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of the Locked On Blues Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Thomas Welch. And I'm Josh Hyman. We've got a fun episode for you today. There are 46 days left until the NHL season starts, and there are 50 days left until the St. Louis Blues season starts. So this episode is going to be all about the number 46 and 50. So we're going to start off today's episode talking about the top 50 NHL players coming up next season. So according to the Locked on NHL podcast, we took a poll across all of the hosts and Joe DiBiase. Mike DiStefano and Rachel Donna revealed the top 50 players as voted on by our local experts across the Locked On NHL network of podcasts. So subscribe to the Locked On NHL podcast on YouTube and turn your notifications on so that you never miss an episode. And that's exactly how we're going to start off today's episode, Josh, because today, top 50 players through 41 and Ryan O'Reilly comes in on the list at number 49. How do we feel about that rating for a guy? Uh, that won the Conn Smythe Trophy a couple years ago, won the Selkie Trophy a couple years ago, uh, and in, is, my opinion, one of the best two-way players in the game. I think that is a, a tragedy. I think it is incredibly understating Ryan O'Reilly's abilities. I think the disrespect is real. He was pulling in trophies like nobody's business just a few seasons ago um, and is now relegated to the 49th best player in, in the league in in terms of the, the opinions of our fellow locked on NHL hosts. Um, I think O'Reilly is a guy that makes a lot of impact beyond just his, his numbers. But if you look at his numbers last season, he was one of the best goal scorers on this team, one of the best point producers on this team, all well being far and away the best two-way forward on this team and one of the best two-way forwards in the league. And just having guys like, I know we can't, we can only talk about 41 through 50 because the rest of them haven't been leaked, but Having guys like Kirill Kaprasov ahead of him who have played one full season in the NHL, granted a great season, played really, really well, lit the world on fire. Um, but ha- really, have has he proved more than Ryan O'Reilly? Has has Chris Letang, is he really still better than Ryan O'Reilly in, in his uh, post-prime years? P- Pierre-Luc Dubois? better than Ryan O'Reilly? I don't know. I have some I have some problems with that ranking. Obviously, I do think Ryan O'Reilly is a top 50 player. I think he deserves to be higher up on the list. And obviously, as the list continues to become revealed, we can get even more and more salty about the players that have been placed above him and how high some of these players have been placed. But can't get into the yet. That's, that's super top secret confidential until the rest of the list comes out. For me, it would be different if uh, the listings were just kind of mirrored towards like offensive beasts at the top of the lineup uh, and they just kind of forgot about two-way players and just kind of threw them in at the end but uh, I don't see Barkov on this list I don't see Bergeron on this list and I don't see Matt Stone on this list so uh, unless they left them off entirely which who knows honestly if you've got 49 if you've got Ryan O'Reilly at 49 but uh, unless they left them off entirely I would assume that they're higher and in my opinion uh, however higher they are they should not be like 10 spots, 20 spots, whatever it is, higher than Ryan O'Reilly. So I, I, don't, I really don't know how I feel about this list, especially with Philip Grubauer sitting at 45. Oh, God. And all he did was just plug in a spot for 
the Colorado. Av- I mean, I could have played goalie for the Avs last season, finalist, probably put up, yeah. yeah, and probably put up a similar save percentage. So, I mean, whatever, that's fine. And there's like recency bias and all of that stuff. I understand, but when it comes down to it, I would say, and playing it safe, probably, I would say Ryan O'Reilly is a top twenty player in this league. And if I would push the envelope and say probably top fifteen, I think it's easy to forget. How good he is because he's not the flashiest player. You're not going to see him in highlight reels. You're not going to see him in sports center top tens or anything like that. Um, and he's not loud either. No, he's not loud. When he goes out and gets a goal and two assists, if you turn on the game in, in the third period, you, you couldn't tell that Ryan O'Reilly is in the middle of a, of a four-point night or whatever. Or if you watch the whole game in the background, you wouldn't have realized that Ryan O'Reilly's assisted on every one of these goals and scored another one. Um, and he did have a season where... He uh, proved himself in, in being a good player. He swept the awards, won himself a Stanley Cup, won himself a Conn Smythe, won himself a, a Selkie Trophy, and had that famous picture of him posing with all his trophies. Um, and I think it's pretty easy to forget how dominant of a season it takes to produce that way and to bring in hardware like that, but also just lead a team to a Stanley Cup in the way that he did. Few players, I think, have the ability to truly lead a team all around in the way that Ryan O'Reilly does with his offense, with his defense, with his hockey IQ, staying late after practice, helping the young guys. The list goes on and on and on of why that there are not 48 other guys more valuable than Ryan O'Reilly in this league. Another reason that we tend to forget that at times is because there are times during the season, I feel like both the cup season and last season uh, in the pandemic seasons. But uh, I think there are times that Ryan O'Reilly kind of goes quiet, especially like offensively. Cause he always, he's always going to give you what you expect from him defensively. And he's always going to be a force to be reckoned with one of the top faceoff guys in the NHL. Uh, but I think there are times when his scoring kind of plateaus, but at the same time, I think we were talking about that last season. In the second half of the last season, he was sitting at a point per game and probably outside of David Perron was the most impactful player on the team. So uh, that's the that's the X factor of what Ryan O'Reilly brings to you. That's why they call him the X factor. But I do think at the end of the day, he is definitely snubbed sitting at 49 on this top 50 players list. Without a doubt. But hey, I look forward to watching him prove all of our other co-hosts wrong this year. I'm excited to have some crossover episodes to try to try to figure out who exactly disrespected him and can't wait till we play their teams and, and have Ryan O'Reilly light them up and have those those hosts rethink that their their placement of him on their lists. Yeah. So we talked about top fifty and that is the St. Louis Blues season opener fifty days away, but the NHL season is forty six days away. So we're gonna be talking about a number forty six defenseman for the St. Louis Blues and what he could possibly mean to this team and the impact he could have going into next season. But before we get into that, if you think Ryan O'Reilly is going to add to his hardware in this upcoming season, you like his chances, you got to check out betonline.ag because it's that time of year again where all the eyes are turning to football and teams are back on the grind to start the football season. So as always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all of the pro and college football action this season. You can get all of the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half million dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest, both open now at Bet Online. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. So to do that, you make a bet on Thursday, September 9th, which is the season opener between 
the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. If you lose that wager, it will be refunded all the way up to $25. You can, so you can bet $25 for free on the season opener for brand new customers only when signing up and using the promo code NFL 100. That's NFL 100 for brand new customers. You can bet on the season opener and get a full refund. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports from football, basketball, boxing, hockey, even your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And while you're there, you gotta check out our friends over at DirecTV. Let me ask you something. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite TV shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simpler way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle, and a great way to finally get all of your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means there's no juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again, and the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter, the confusion, and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, Josh. Mm, What do you got? We were talking about it a little bit before, but obviously one of the big overarching themes of this offseason has been the defense. And can they hold down the fort for Jordan Bennington? And can they help bring Jordan Bennington back to that goalie we saw in the Stanley Cup playoffs because the last two seasons, it seems like they've been kind of leaving him out to dry. There's a number 46 on the team named Jake Wallman who had a massive impact in his short time with the team. It seemed like he was playing pretty promisingly. Obviously, the Blues moved on from Vince Dunn, so they might feel comfortable that he can kind of insert himself into that role. But for him to have a more substantial role in this team... I think we need to assess how much we trust Marco Scandella. So what are your views on the play of Marco Scandella recently, as well as uh, the projection of Jake Wallman for the St. Louis Blues? Yeah, I think those are two things that kind of go hand in hand in terms of what we can expect in this upcoming season. I think the play of Marco Scandella is going to have a direct impact on how much of an opportunity Jake Wallman gets in this upcoming season. I think Scandella is a guy that was sort of brought in as just a an extra piece. And then in those, you know, 10 or 15 games that he played with Pareko immediately after the trade, he looked like he was a perfect fit for this team and therefore earned the trust of Barubi in the front office and was able to sort of solidify himself a spot in the top four moving forward. And apart from those 10 or 15 games, he's been very, very disappointing. He's still been a solid defenseman. You know, he hasn't been Bortuzzo levels of, of hurting the team last season. But he still definitely was very underwhelming. He definitely had his moments where he looked like the worst defenseman on the team, turning pucks over, not winning puck battles, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But then there were other moments where he did look like he was serviceable and could go out and and give you 15 or so minutes a night of solid defensive play. Um, And it would be nice to see, you know, if Colton Pareko returns to form, it would be nice to see him doing, doing that alongside Marco Scandella and sort of build that chemistry that they had in those 10 or so games that they played together after the initial trade. 
Um, but if that doesn't happen, and that, that's sort of my prediction, is that Scandella is is past that, and we aren't going to see a return to form there. And maybe it was an experiment that isn't going to work out in the Blues' favor. I wouldn't be surprised to see Wallman get a lot more playing time as a result, um, because I do think that the Blues trust him a lot, and we saw that last season. They put a lot of trust in him, especially considering his lack of experience in the NHL. It was impressive to see just how much Bruby trusted him with big minutes and big big situations and he came through you know there weren't really any times where Wallman was trusted with a big big shift or going up against McKinnon or guys like that where he really dropped the ball and gave up a turnover or was out of position so not only did the Blues trust him but he also backed up that trust a lot and I think that we're going to see a lot of him next season as a result Um, he's on the younger side one of the younger defensemen the Blues have in this core and could hopefully be a part of this team moving forward and could help like we've been talking about sort of reestablish that identity and give Jordan Bennington a little bit more comfort there in between the pipes. Here's the tale of the tape for me between Jake Wallman and Marco Scandella. So we talked about it before we started recording on the podcast, but really with a second pairing defenseman. And it kind of feels like the theme for the St. Louis Blues has been we get guys that either lock it down defensively, especially in these couple of years past, you either get guys that lock it down defensively or provide you a spark in the offensive zone. I don't feel like Jake Wallman and Marco Scandella are really either of those players. So it's like, okay, which one can be better and more accountable in defense and possess the puck better so that uh, the Blues aren't on their heels as much, right? So Marco Scandella in the year before last season with the Blues had a 45.6 Corsi 4. Uh, so if you guys are unfamiliar, I know these are kind of like advanced possession metrics, but Corsi 4 above 50% means the team was controlling the puck more often than not with this player on the ice in this situation. So if you're near like 50%, that's good. Cause I mean, in any scenario in hockey, it's going to kind of be half and half. Ryan O'Reilly's is like 53%, I think, which means like he's obviously an elite player, right? So just kind of put that in perspective. This season with the St. Louis Blues, Marco Scandella's Corsi 4 dropped to 39 from 45. That's a six-point difference. And in Corsi, that's kind of a big jump. Yep. Or for him, a big fall. Yep. So if we look at his playoff uh, possession metrics, it's a 34. So it's even lower than what it was. Now we go to Jake Wallman. His Corsi 4 on the season was 47.8, which is a lot closer to that 50% that we're looking for, that we're talking about, especially for a rookie coming up in the league. Those are That's great numbers. And in the playoffs, it jumped up to 50%. So straight split, even 50-50 for Jake Wallman. So I think there is potential for Jake Wallman to move up uh, on the left-handed side and potentially take Scandella's place if he struggles again. And I think there is also potential that if Mikula has a good season, we could see games where Scandella is not even in the lineup. But I think that kind of goes back to the theme we've been talking about this offseason, whereas the Blues kind of need help on D. And whether it comes from Jake Wallman, whether it comes from Mikula, whether it comes from Scott Perunovic, whether it comes from Scott Mayfield and a Vladimir Tarasenko trade, oh, who knows what's going to happen, but they need some serious help in the defensive zone. The more that we kind of move forward in this offseason, the more that the dust settles, it's become pretty apparent that the Blues did a heck of a job addressing goal scoring concerns and forward concerns and the identity up front with the forwards on this team. But then you take a look at the defenseman and you realize, huh, it's the same group of guys from last season that was very inconsistent. And they all got a year older and not in the one sort of young promising piece that we had on this team in terms of the defense is with the Seattle Kraken now. So there's a lot that has to go right for the defense defensive core as it is 
to have success. There needs to be, you know, a return to form from Colton Pareko, a return to form from Marco Scandella, a big step taken by Jake Wallman, a big step taken by Scott Perunovic, um, a return to form from Tori Krug. There's a whole lot of ifs with this defensive core, and all it takes is just a couple of those to not happen for the defense to be sort of in a dire situation. Um, so I do still think that the Blues could benefit off of just adding another name to the defense, adding a guy that you know can go out and just consistently shut opponents down um, and not really have to worry about, oh, what if he's not good? Or what if what if we don't see a return to two years ago or a, or a big step forward? So I, I think that there's some work that needs to be done. I don't think it's going to make or break the Blues season necessarily. I think it's going to be a big question mark, but that's what every season comes with is question mark. So. But hopefully once the D uh, gets a taste of what they're capable of when they're all firing on all cylinders, uh, they'll turn that ship around. But if you're big on taste, uh, you got to check out our friends over at Built Bar because they are the best tasting protein bars you will ever have. And they have so many delicious flavors. There's something for everybody. Whether you like coconut, cherry, barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, your standard ones like double chocolate, chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, Orange cookies and cream, German chocolate. Like I said, there's something for everybody with Built Bar, and they're all incredibly healthy for you. And if you haven't tried all of those flavors, you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. And like I said, not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're good for you too. 7 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to only 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs, and like I said, amazing flavors, and they're all tasty. So go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. When we come back, Josh... We're going to continue the theme of 46 and 50 by ending with a 50 exclamation point talking about Jordan Bennington expectations for this season, whether or not uh, the so-called tantrums that he throws could potentially be uh, problematic for this team moving forward. So don't go anywhere. All right, Josh. So 50 days until the St. Louis Blues season starts. So we're going to be talking about Mr. 50 himself. Jordan Bennington put the team on his back for a Stanley Cup run. Was honestly probably close to Colton Pareko and Ryan O'Reilly in terms of Con Smythe voting. Has kind of fallen off and taken a dip in production since them. Since that time, like we've talked about, the defense is definitely a part of that. Do we expect the defense to bounce back this season? Yes or no? If we, If they do... Will Jordan Bennington return to form? If they don't, will Jordan Bennington be able to put the world on his back again? Uh, probably in a more difficult aspect this time. What are your thoughts here, Josh? I think that this is a huge season for Jordan Bennington. Um, I think we have yet to see him sort of match that greatness that he had shown throughout the cup run and throughout his rookie season. He's still been a pretty dang good goalie. Um, he hasn't been bad by any means, but I think the Blues sort of relied on him a little bit more then in that cup season and said, Hey, we want you to beat this guy that can go out and steal games for us and go out and be the best player on this team and go out and win some games. And he didn't do that. Um, part of that blame falls on him. I think he was very inconsistent. I think his positioning was a little bit poor and his rebounding control was a little bit poor, gave teams opportunities that they really shouldn't have had. But at the end of the day, I really do think it falls on team defense and team identity more than anything. Bennington is clearly a guy that thrives on his emotion, rides the highs, but also rides the lows. Um, and just the fact that the team was never really able to find that identity and he probably was never able to find that comfort 
Um, he didn't have that maximum confidence that we've seen out of him that a lot of people can get frustrated with. And as a result, that those tantrums that he threw and and trying to fight fake fight other teams, when you do that and you're not really backing it up, it looks a lot worse. But I think that his mentality, his antics, all of that, I think he feeds off of that. I think he relies on that to stay confident. I mean, we saw the the iconic, do I look nervous quote, and then he went out and set the world on fire after that. So I think when he's playing well, those tantrums and those incidents look great for Blues fans. You say, oh yeah, look at Biddington. He's, he's lighting it up. He's on top of the world. He's confident, clearly. And then that's the narrative. And then he's playing a little poorly and pulls these things, and the narrative completely flips. And it's, oh, he's in his own head. He's lost all his confidence. He can't play. So I, I think he doesn't really stray too far from the surface like 90 percent of the time he, he's very cool calm and collective and every once in a while he lets his emotions show um but i think if early on in the season the blues can start to establish momentum and establish an identity if he's able to catch his momentum really early on in the season i think the you know the first 10 or so games are gonna be really important then i think the the rest of the league's in for in for a, a difficult season if jordan bennington gets that confidence and maintains it throughout a full 82 game slate and here's the thing for me, and I think you're spot on about that, that people will definitely be like, why is he worried about Devin Dubnik? He should be worried about stopping the puck. Right. If he's not stopping the puck, but if he is stopping the puck, no one's going to say anything. Exactly. And I do think at the end of the day, like you said, Jordan Bennington is a goalie that thrives off of raw emotion. He is a very emotional player, as we've seen. Uh, but players like that are the ones that want to win more than anybody, and it directly affects their mood. So I'd much rather have a guy on my team that absolutely hates losing games and will let you know about it as opposed to someone who's just kind of, hey, it's whatever, uh, put this one under the rug and we'll go get him next time. I'd much rather have someone that wants to win every single game of the season. And I think Jordan Bennington is that guy. But at the same time, as we've talked about kind of this entire offseason, this is a very important season for identity and building that identity in team chemistry. So uh, when people talk about Jordan Bennington being a distraction, I think the team understands <laughs> the way that he plays hockey. And obviously in games past where he's kind of undergone those antics, it's worked out for the team. They've kind of turned it around and won those games. So I, I think they have a good grasp of how Jordan Bennington functions and I, I don't think he is a distraction like so many people say he is on the team but if it does kind of prove to be a distraction away from building that identity and that team chemistry that we've talked about I think that is the only scenario and instance to where it would be a problem for the St. Louis Blues but I don't foresee that happening in the near future this team relies on Jordan Bennington. I think that the identity of this team relies on Jordan Bennington when he is sort of being that silent confident leader um, I think the team is able to to feed off of that. Uh, but when he doesn't trust his defense, when he doesn't trust the team, and when he doesn't maybe doesn't trust himself, I think that, that shows. Um, you can tell right, he's dejected. Right. Yep. And I think that his teammates can tell as well. And it's just a vicious cycle, you know? He's not confident. They're not as confident in him. If they don't play as well in front of him, he faces tougher shots. He lets in more goals. He loses confidence. Rinse, repeat. So that's why I said I think yeah. it's so important for early on in the season to the blue for the blues to dig their heels into whatever identity they're going to have this year and do anything in their power to not revert from it to play blues hockey 82 nights 82 games 60 minutes a night plus overtime plus the playoffs and that's how this team can find themselves right back in the Stanley Cup conversation as much as i hate 
conflict, and I'll, I'll be the first one to avoid it all day, every day of the week. But I think that might be almost like a good conversation to have with Jordan Bennington and the defense and saying like, hey, if you guys make it difficult on them, I'm going to save the shots. Like I have full confidence in that. There's not a problem there. But if they're scoring tap-ins and stuff like that, I'm not going to be as confident and I'm going to have to try to do more. And then that's going to make it a longer day on you guys because it's going to feel like everything is going in the back of the net. But I think at the end of the day, that might be an important conversation with him to have and be like, hey, make it hard on them. We'll make it a hard night for them total. Uh, and then we'll see if we can put the puck in the back of the net a couple times and come out victorious. I think that's their best play. Because I think you're right about the Blues relying heavily on Jordan Bennington. And I think that almost might be the problem is that like he's like on nights where the defense doesn't show up. It's just him back there facing an onslaught of shots. And even as much as I love Jordan Bennington, and I think he's one of the best goalies in the league, eventually you're going to break through the wall, right? Marc-Andre Fleury could be in that net at times and you'd score five on him if he doesn't have a defense in front. So I think that might be the main problem that the Blues are facing right now. And not even like, there. obviously there are teams that rely on their goalies, but the level of defense that is in front of them directly correlates to the success, like their save yeah. percentage in their numbers. Success rate. Yeah, exactly. So Yeah, look at look at the Islanders goalies this year. Great defensive scheme. They made they made multiple different goalies look really, really good just because of how solid that their their way that their defense played. Imagine, you know, no offense to Pralamov and the rookie that they had in there. I always get their names confused. Sorokin. Sorokin. Yeah, Sorokin. They imagine replacing one of those two guys with Jordan Bennington or Marc Andre Fleury or Carey Price. They never allow a goal, so it's it's a lot of like push and shove when it comes to goalies and defense and their relationship. And we've seen one end of the spectrum with the with the New York Islanders, and then you've seen other ends of the spectrum where you know goalies go to die in in poor defensive schemes. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I'm sure it exists. I'm sure it's out there where. Good goalies have had their stats tanked because they're playing with a team with no defense, and then they move. I mean, it could potentially be the Blackhawks this season if Seth Jones continues to struggle. So. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But I think that's all the time we got today, Tommy. What do you I think? I think the Blues at the end of the day, Scandella has to step it up, and if he doesn't, then Wallman and Mikolo really have to step it up, and that kind of that kind of sucks for a position where it's like two rookies essentially Bertuzzo and Scandella I'll be watching them closely this season but like you said I think that's all the time we have for today so thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Locked On Blues podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network 46 days until the NHL season 50 days until the Blues season but you can catch it all right here so make sure you hit that follow or subscribe button whatever platform you're currently listening to you can follow us on Twitter Instagram Facebook and TikTok at Locked On Blues you can follow me on Twitter and Spotify Green Room at 12 or 15 you can follow josh on twitter and spotify green room at josh hyman nhl but like i said thank you guys so much for listening and as always let's go blues